Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 445 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And this episode is our, as Bill just put it, get out of jail free card. It's our last recording of the year. It's an open round table with the hosts of the show and with anybody who is a listener or just anybody off the street who happens to have a way to connect to Discord and wanted to jump in and say anything at all. We're going to go ahead and let them do that uh, to whatever extent is allowed by law. So anyway, let's go ahead and get into it. We'll start with the hosts. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And we do have plenty of folks who joined us tonight. We have Ted. I'm going to announce him because he said he's a in listen-only mode, does not want to contribute anything. But he is an open-source contributor, so we should mention that. I know we have mentioned it on past shows, but we should definitely mention it now. He does the TW apps, like TWCW, TWPSK. Um, all those ones that start with TW and are done with the, uh, what does he use? Fastlight? Is that, I don't remember. He'll, he'll tell me in the chat. Yeah, I don't think it's Fastlight. It's, it's, uh, no, it's not Fastlight because that's Apple Digi and all that stuff. But uh, I can't remember. TK, what it, isn't it? It's all TK? Is it all TK? Yeah, okay. Yeah, TW does TK. Smells of TK. Max well, yeah. <laughs> <Smacks laughs> of TK, right. But yeah, lots of apps out there in the Debian repos and I assume Fedora repos as well for ted's different apps that you can use for doing psk 31 morse code and so many other things so let's see if we can run down the list here i'm just going to run down in alphabetical order according to the thing here and uh if you have anything to say other than hi feel free to but let's uh let's see who we have tonight with us we have cubicle nate so greetings i thought i'd be here for the final uh show of the year because uh i am a listener although i, I lurk mostly on the uh on the channel well, that's okay. Lurking is definitely allowed. And yes, if if there are large gaps, that's all right. They will come out in post. Audacity has a great feature called Truncate Silence, which takes care of all of that. And uh, there may be some of that due to the fact that we've forced everybody into push-to-talk mode just so we're not all screaming at each other uh, unless everybody pushes push-to-talk at the same time, in which case <laughs> all bets are off. But anyway, let's move on. We have Joe Eisenberg, K0NEB, who strangely decided to join us and give us the pleasure of his company tonight. I'm not sure why he's stooping so low, but welcome, Joe. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I think it was Cheryl who sent me a note wanting to know if I'd be a part of this. Uh, and so I, I 
am very honored to be on this long-lasting podcast. Uh, for those that don't know it, I'm the kit-building editor of CQ Magazine and have been doing the monthly column in CQ on kit-building for over 12 years. And since the 2014 issue of the ARL Handbook, I am now the uh, contributing author to the Construction Techniques chapter, uh, rewriting that every year. So uh, things keep me busy, and I, I love going out and giving talks about kit building, and I, I teach people how to solder and do hands-on kit builds as well. Well, fantastic. Thank you for being here tonight and being a part of whatever chaos ensues from this point. Um, I think Richard would be really happy to know that you are here tonight. I'm just kind of actually wondering where Richard is. Seems like if anybody would be here tonight, it would be him, unless he has, you know, something going on. Uh, or we just irritated him to the point that he doesn't want to associate with us anymore. I don't know. Could be either. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next on the list, we have Tony K4XSS, longtime listener who used to listen to us out in California, now listens to us from his home state of Alabama. What's going on tonight, Tony? He might have an incorrect audio device because I see him like open all the time. We still can't hear him. <laughs> he's he's lurking. He's lurking in stuck on chat mode or something. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he stepped outside for a cigar. Who knows? <laughs> well, we'll come back to Tony or he'll come back to us at some point. But anyway, moving on, we can skip past me because I've already introduced myself. And uh, we have another longtime listener and longtime friend of the show and a benefactor of our show who's uh, stuffed us full of much fine Cajun food over the years. We have a canine KJN Hutch, who is, as he said before, in lovely Christmas light lit downtown Gosport, Indiana. How's it going, Hutch? Hey, Russ. Uh, hey, everyone. I'm doing great here in uh, beautiful downtown Gosport. It's uh, me and my dog and uh, Christmas tree light and free Wi-Fi here. I'm five miles from the house. And it's the closest place I can actually get actual Wi-Fi. Well, considering that you're remote, assuming using a cell phone or something, uh, it sounds pretty good. So uh, Gosport is doing you well tonight. Yeah, I'm on my cell phone and I've got, uh, I guess, I don't know if I'm coming through my phone or through my earbuds. I'm not sure, but uh, you sound great on this end. Well, fantastic. Either way, it's working really good and it's good to hear from you. It's been a while. I know Cheryl's been in touch over the last few months, unfortunately, with the whole situation over in in Ohio with, you know, the ham fest that isn't happening. We'll hopefully happen next year. We haven't had a chance to get out there and, and enjoy the fine luxury food over in uh, downtown uh, Mooresville, but, you know, maybe someday again. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on. We have Scott and 8 VSI, who's over in, uh, what, Cincinnati, right? That's where you hail from nowadays. Yep, absolutely. Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, about three miles away from uh, Kings Island, where uh, I wish I could get an antenna up on that uh, on the tower up there, but unfortunately, they said no. I actually <laughs> asked. Well, <laughs> oh, nothing lost, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? I mean, no, absolutely. They, yeah, the worst they could do was say no, which they did. <laughs> they did. Fair enough. Anyway, we also have one more chat partner with us tonight. We have John W5AJQ, and I shouldn't shorten your name because you put Jonathan in there, so you might prefer that. So let's go with Jonathan, W5AJQ. How's it going? Uh, it's, it's going great, and uh, you can call me anything but late for dinner. Um, yeah, so uh, here in Salt Lake City, uh, in, you know, a foot and a half of snow, um, 
I've been a listener of you guys here for maybe maybe six months or so, but uh, decided to get on the Discord and, and actually uh, you know hang out with you guys a little bit. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Fantastic. Good to have you. And uh, I have only been in Utah one time, and it was at the airport there in Salt Lake for about 30 minutes. <laughs> so that that is my in, the entirety of my experience with Utah. So maybe one of these days we'll get out there. I'd like to see some of the some of the desert areas, some of the the monuments and the you know the the mesas and all the cool stuff that's out there. But uh, yeah, just not a lot of time spent in Utah. But it's a pretty state from what I've seen. Yes, that it is, and I highly recommend coming for a visit. Well, next time we go, next time we go visit Bill, which will actually be the first time. <laughs> we uh we may actually pass through utah on the way up there um to montana because it's um it's not on the way but you know what we could make it on the way i suppose <laughs> for sure <laughs> and and hit wyoming too because i hear there's a lot of nothing over there kind of so it kind of sounds like downtown gosport indiana actually i think i think if you expand that to the size of wyoming i think you have a good description of it oh my that's so scary all right so as is probably evident we have no syllabus tonight we have no rules uh so we're just gonna i don't know i don't know what we're gonna do do we do we even have any topics we want to hit or anything we want to cover because i didn't even look to see if anybody bothered to put anything in the ether pad which i'm going to assume that we didn't Um, (laughs) i just put some uh really bland uh bland topics but uh Oh, okay. Let's, uh, let's well, I mean, let's go back and let's say, uh, see if Tony's got his voice thing figured out. Tony, can you speak now? <laughs> I, I could speak before, but I don't know what what works there, but it's back now. <laughs> All right, we'll go ahead and introduce yourself. Here's K4XSS Tony. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tony here, Huntsville, Alabama, previously California for a couple of years, but uh, back home now. And what was that call sign that I first contacted you with before you switched over to the X-Ray Sierra Sierra? KM4HSD. That's it. KM4HSD. <clears throat> not not that that means anything to anyone. You used to you used to have a claim to fame because you used to be in a very rare grid square, and now you're back in Huntsville, Alabama, so nobody cares. <laughs> Uh, yeah pretty much once you leave delta mike zero two uh doesn't really matter anymore (laughs) well we're glad you're here with us tonight what's is it uh are you getting the colder weather that see yesterday i was talking to bill and we were like supposed to have all these massive storms come through and apparently they did rip through parts of iowa and nebraska so joe probably got a little bit of that but the part that was dipping down here that was supposed to give us the super high winds and basically tear everything apart and give us all the warnings and everything basically does what it always does. It disappeared before it got here. So we barely even got rain. So, uh, so Joe, did you get hit with that storm that blew through yesterday? Oh, definitely. In fact, on the weather channel, they keep uh, repeating a state patrol video from the interstate about three miles North of my house where it blew over a semi right in front of him. And uh, we had, Peak gust at the airport of 93. I measured close to 50 miles an hour at my house. And uh, the antenna survived, but mostly because the ones that have wires that went too close to tree branches, I untied them and just let them fall on the ground. And uh, so everything survived and everything seems to be uh, working. 
And uh, as far as topics go, uh, I'm always here to talk about kit building. Well, you know what? Kit building is something we never talk about. So if you have something specific you'd like to touch on as far as kit building, I don't necessarily want to do an episode on kit building. That's something we can hold for 2022. But if there's a topic you want to address, by all means, give it to us. Okay, very good. And uh, also, uh, I do 3D printing, and uh, 3D printing is a is a lot of fun. And uh, I've been able to make a lot of things that are are good for amateur radio, such as cases for uh, kits and uh, uh, dipole insulators and knobs and all sorts of things. Yep, absolutely. Tony has been into 3D printing as well as myself. We have two 3D printers now, and we definitely do things with those. And a couple of the kits that we bought, we were setting up, um, I think it was last year or maybe the year before, we were setting up all-star nodes um, for doing you know, for doing all the all-star stuff and linking it through Echolink and all that stuff. And the nodes that come from, I think the call sign is N8AR. Somebody can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But there's like a Sherry and a Brian and stuff like that, pre-made uh, all-star nodes. And all of those have 3D printed parts when you order them. So it's kind of neat to see see how those were being uh, fit together for some open source hardware kits. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, there's uh, a couple of cases for older uh, four-state QRP kits that have been, uh, that had the uh, STL files uploaded to Thingiverse and uh uh, makes it makes it a lot easier, and I'm working on some cases myself. Um, but uh, as to Linux, uh, uh, my favorite thing has been to take tough books and put Linux on them and uh, extend their life because they are wonderful for field day logging. Well, apparently you and Tony are kindred spirits because he uses tough books a lot as well. And he, as I recall, was printing a he was creating a 3D printed model of a amount for an IC7100. I don't know if you actually finished that, Tony, or where are you in that project? Uh, I made two or three iterations of it, still working on it. Are you are you using Fusion to, to build it? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, well, you know, you should have had that knocked out by now. I think you've been working on it for like eight months. Uh, okay, nine, ten, maybe. <laughs> you've got that, you've done all that work to that van, you know, to get it to be your sort of mobile command station and you can't print a, a single mount for your radio? Well, I'm still working on some mount for some lights. So that's uh, made about nine iterations of that. So that's kind of more important initially. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but 3D printing is a lot of fun. I've I've been having a little bit of trouble. We bought we bought one three-color printer, has three different extruders into a single head, and we've been having some issues with getting that one to print right. But um, we might be looking at going a different route. I think I might just settle on a two-color instead of a three-color because the three-color one doesn't really do three-color. It, it sort of does, but it sort of doesn't. And I and I honestly think if you're just going to be doing, I, I mean, two colors is pretty much enough for, for most projects. But I don't know. I, I, and the uh, the first one we bought, the Creality, uh, that thing has been has been super rock solid and has asked, done everything we've asked it to do. And, and yes, it's a whole lot of fun to see, to see your project sort of to come to life right in front of you, especially if you're running like Octopi, uh, which I am, and I know Tony is as well, or some of the other software that does the automatic um, stop frame uh, time-lapse and uh, get to see how those projects just sort of uh, 
create themselves while you're asleep because because a lot of them can take more than a day but yeah it's a lot of fun yeah the the printer i'm using is the creality ender 3 pro and uh i ran the heck out of it last year making uh uh, uh the visors for uh um clear plastic face shields for our first responders when they couldn't get those. I made over 300 of them. And so in so doing, I discovered that I wore out about every part <laughs> there is in the printer, including the extruder and the, the heated bed and the belts and stuff. And, and being that I fix printers for a living, 3D printers was kind of a, a new adventure, but a lot of things are similar. And so... It let me uh, uh, learn really quick, kind of under fire, how to uh, replace parts on a 3D printer. And YouTube is your friend, especially when you have a printer like that that has such a large installed base that there's a lot of help out there. Yep. Uh, Tony's using the 3 Pro as well. We're using the 3 Max, which is similar, just has a larger bed and a taller uh, Z-axis. But uh, they, they work all the same, of course. So um yeah this has been a lot of fun kind of a learning curve it's it's to me uh i realized when working on the other printer how it's such a great combination of high technology and stone age technology at the same time because like the extruder head is basically just a thing that gets hot and you push plastic through it but then you have all the other electronics that deal with uh controlling the steppers and all that stuff so it's it's a lot of uh, high tech and low tech sort of mashed together to create these printers yeah they're they're really uh an interesting uh study in technology um and as to my linux background um i actually learned how to use unix uh through uh solaris uh i used to be uh an sse uh, with Sun uh, as part of a contract for the company I worked for. So I uh, did uh, desktop and server um, maintenance. And so I learned Solaris, and in so doing, I learned all about Unix and then Linux. And uh, so that's kind of where I got my background. Most people started, you know, either right, right in Linux or with the older unix um uh versions but i started with solaris of all things oh i use solaris in my day actually one of the first things i started with was um xenix uh that was one of the first ones i used i also used sco unix which i know um somebody just caught fire for me saying that <laughs> but uh it, it was a thing at once upon a time and it was unix and i actually use unixware as well and if you're still into solaris you know what what do they call open indiana now it has a new name right but it's still a thing yeah isn't it still open indiana or is it still open it? indiana i thought i thought we talked about them changing it to something else but yeah it might be <laughs> but solaris is not not quite dead yep you know, kind of like in the, you know, in the, the Monty Python film, and not dead. Yeah, that's that's kind of where Open Indiana is right now. I think uh, it's feeling better. It might be feeling a little better. I don't know. It's getting some play. And uh, Don showed up, KB2YSI. He is not unmuted yet. And for his benefit, if he does not already know, this is a push-to-talk channel, and you have to set up your PTT in your settings before you can talk, if you choose to. But Don KB2YSI has joined the group, 
So long time listener. Thanks for coming, Don. Oh, oh, is not needed anymore. Let's let's see what happens. Do we- Good evening, everyone. There we go. Hey, Don, how's it going? It is going late as usual. I <laughs> know uh, we're strangely early. <laughs> it's a bad time to be late. All right. So that was cool. 3D printing. So, so let's see, let me throw it out to see if anybody has anything they want to touch on any kind of topic, whether open source or amateur radio or even anything else. And while we're doing that, we'll have Bill queue up whatever his first uh, bland nondescript topic was in case we have to go that route. So <laughs> queue it up. <laughs> well, I've been, I've been hearing a lot about this, uh, this M17 project. Um, and I just started checking into it and I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts on it. Well, we've done, we did a big episode on it. Someone can look up what episode that was. Um, but if you've not listened to that, I definitely recommend it. If you have, then fantastic. The M17 project is, is neat. I mean, it's another, it's another software voice codec. It's based on codec two, but they're also working on a hardware component. I, I see in their dev chats all the time that they're working on you know getting these microcontrollers and um, uh, transistors and everything in these radios to to work uh, they've started with the uh, tyt platform and the the sort of knockoffs of the tyt platform to uh, to actually create radios that will transmit and receive using native m17 which they have done to a certain extent, but it's certainly still in development phase. It, it sounds really interesting. I know they got a grant from ARDC uh, to work on that and to create their own hardware. So it's a project that is definitely moving forward. Uh, Wojciech, who's like the leader of the project, is is really gung-ho about M17. They want it to become the de facto standard in digital voice communication. I don't know that it's actually ever going to get there, but uh, I think it's a cool thing. Who else wants to chime in on M17? I'll chime in real quick. It was episode 396. Open Indiana still exists. And you said something about Sherry Walgo, and that is correct. So, uh, What, N8AR? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, M17 is actually going to have a booth at the, um, uh, I think it's at uh, Orlando Hamcation. Yep, they had a booth at Nearfest up in Deerfield, New Hampshire, which I missed because our timing was off because they were in New Hampshire a month ago and I was there two weeks ago. <laughs> but um, that was unfortunate. Um, but yeah, uh, some some of the project, some of the people who work on that project are actually from where I'm from. So I have good conversations with them, like Steve, uh, KC1AWV. He's actually from Dover, New Hampshire, which is about 10 miles from where I grew up. So. And uh, so that's been cool. I mean, they're really, really working hard on that project, both software and hardware-wise. So, um, and and uh, the uh, Linux in the Hamshack and the Associated Club, which if you didn't know there was an Associated Club, there is. It's the Open Source Amateur Radio Club, or OSARC, O-S-A-R-C. Uh, we have a call sign, Alpha Foxtrot Zero Sierra Sierra. Uh, there's a website for that. And it is operating an M17 reflector. Um which you can find at m17.af0ss.org. So if you want to try out M17, uh, you can do it using DudeStar or DMR, something that will cross-link into it, uh, and you can hit our reflector, uh, which is 
what are they? They go M17 dash, and ours is 659. So uh, if you want to try out some M17 and see how the protocol works, you have to get into it a different way. You can't really get into it with native M17 yet, unless you're using Dude Star, but of course, that's just a, an app on your phone or your PC. Uh, but you can use it uh, until there's some actual production hardware. And it's Droid Star now, as we learned. Oh, that's right. Yes, uh, they, have, they have merged the two projects together and dropped Dude Star entirely. So Droid Star covers all aspects of the project, whether it's mobile or PC based. And it's very cool. <laughs> it is very cool. They're still working on the the D Star thing, but D Star is a sort of a beast on its own, and it's archaic. And anyway, M seventeen is the way forward, right? So that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So did we hit anything that was interesting there, Jonathan, or did you have any further input on that? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's great. I'm uh yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, I, I'm i I'm a big proponent of open source, everything. I don't like closed systems and, and just aggravate you. Uh, so I'm eagerly watching this M17. Um, unfortunately, my engineering talents lie in the physical properties of metal and not the, not the computing or uh, RF arts. So I'm not very much good to this, but I'm, I'm sure watching it. All right. Very good. And we did do in the past, I think it was two episodes with Dave from Codec 2, which is a good introduction to where M17 sort of came from. I, I know we did at least one. I can't remember if we did a follow-up, but I think we did. Um and those those episodes are getting long in the tooth now. But if you want to see sort of the where the where the history of M seventeen is, then you should definitely check that out. You can just search for Codec two on the website, and you'll come up with those. So yeah, episode two forty two and episode eighty five. So yeah, yeah really 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 old. <laughs> From that, that was back in the day. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, we haven't yeah. talked to him since uh, two thousand eighteen. So it's been a while yeah that's great thanks guys yeah no no worries glad you brought it up thank you very much and scott says oh my god i have so much to catch up on well it depends on whether you've been listening or not i mean if you're if you're caught up to episode 444 then no you don't <laughs> you're already there <laughs> yeah not so much <laughs> i find that learning you know working at home i i, I lose my uh my podcast time so that it's become a little bit more difficult to to keep up with with a lot of the podcasts I want to follow. Yep, I understand that because I don't follow any, even my own. So <laughs> I shouldn't think you have to there, but okay. <laughs> you'd be surprised how fast the knowledge goes out of your head. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh no! I found that out real real quick. So all right, well, uh, Bill's got that topic queued up, and if we don't want to have to go down the route of like straightforward and boring. We definitely welcome other input. If anybody has any questions about projects or even about the show, anything you've like ever wanted to ask the hosts of Linux in the Hamshack, you know, we're all right here. Um, I usually regret saying that, but who knows? We'll see. We'll see. As long as it's not too personal, it's fine. But anything else they want to touch on? Well, my question would uh, be, uh, as kind of a newcomer to the podcast, is uh, what is the best, distro out there right now for pre-installed <laughs> amateur radio uh, not like we've never heard that question before but, uh, um well do we want to do we want to recommend our own yeah well i mean <clears throat> i would say a good there's several good starting points 
Um, if you want one with all the software sort of pre-baked in so you can try things out, they uh, might not necessarily have the latest versions of everything, but uh, we offer a distribution based on, uh, I think I have what, Mate and XFCE. They're both Ubuntu builds, and uh, they're pretty comprehensive, and they don't they don't come with a really ugly UI. <laughs> and I only say that because the next ones I talk about will have a little bit uglier UIs because they're using uh, what LXQt and stuff like that. Um, Andy's Linux comes with a bunch of stuff already pre-installed. Um, geez, there's also, um, if you're doing Crap Raspberry box. Pi stuff, there's the, uh, the, the Jason's project with KM4 ACK's, uh, uh, build a pie. Yep. There it is. Build a yep. pie. Yep. There's Shackbox. There's, uh, there's that one that's. The one I wouldn't mention, which I'm not going to mention. <laughs> yeah. And there's that one that's for like SDR use. Um, oh yeah. Dragon Linux. Dragon, Dragon Linux. Yeah. Dragon, Dragon something. Dragon. Something. Yeah. Dragon, yeah, something like that. There is one that has just a bunch of SDR stuff, which, of course, is always cool because some of the SDR stuff is a little hard to actually compile on some boxes. Um, I mean, if you're looking for a, a system that you can start off with and have little to no problems getting software installed, um, you know, and you want something that's updated more frequently than, let's say, an Ubuntu LTS, which is... Again, slightly, slightly long in the tooth. Um, in the package repositories, you have to spend a lot of time grabbing PPAs and and up to date uh, packages to get the latest, greatest versions of everything. Um, so you, you can tell I'm steering you away from Ubuntu based stuff. So that would kill Linux Mint and stuff like that. Although those are great experiences for the user. If you use a lot of the other stuff, um, those are put together quite nicely. Um, I've had really good success with uh, Fedora. Uh, the, the latest versions, 34 and 35, I guess. 35 is the latest. Um, we've actually done videos on 35, uh, getting that one all ham radio ready. Not very hard to kind of get it started and get stuff on there. Um, and then, of course, we, we also have Arch-based systems. Uh, I'm using Garuda Linux here, um, but Endeavor OS would be another great one if you wanted to go with the Arch systems. Those are going to be very up-to-date kernels, very up-to-date packages, uh, the ability to actually attach to uh, uh, GitHub repositories and build those as packages uh, quite easy uh, with the uh, Arch user repository. A lot of people uh, build right on top of the Git commits, so you can get uh, literally the build that was just committed a few minutes ago <laughs> into your system, um, which has been really good on uh, for SDR++ if you uh, follow that application. Um, I've, I've been using that for quite a while and was able to kind of test out uh, some test radios that he's been putting in there on a daily basis when I, when I have time to focus on it. But, um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're all really kind of good to get you started and going. Um, and uh, I think our videos provide a little bit of guidance with that. If you want to just start with a, an empty operating system and kind of get to uh, ham radio ready. But if you don't want to do that, yeah, Andy's Linux, uh, our pre-build is probably good enough. Um, or, yeah, the build a pie if you're going to do uh, a pie build. Very good. Well, I have an SDR play and an RTL SDR, and uh, uh, I've had fun with them in Windows, and everybody tells me it works good in Linux as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all the SDR stuff works fabulous. <laughs> There's a lot of tooling out there, too, for it. Some probably a little uh, more complicated than necessary, but uh, 
some of it gets really into some good details and with multiple decoders running at once, you can do some amazing things, especially with the uh, program called SDR Angel. Uh, that's one of the more uh, more robust uh, packages that has just a little bit of everything in there to uh, to do uh, everything from just regular decoding to you know DMR and stuff like that. It can do all kinds of all kinds of fun stuff uh, as well as uh, just the regular single sideband and you know all that good stuff. Very good. And um, uh, in terms of kits, uh, there are a lot of kits for things like uh, TNC hats for uh, Raspberry Pis and things like that. And uh, um, I've written about several of those. And so there's a lot of uh, uh, Linux and open source uh, programming used in a lot of the kits that I've been working with. Yeah, and that's a nice part about uh you know, doing kit stuff because <laughs> generally the hardware is uh, mostly open source and uh, the building instructions are, you know, crowdsourced. Everybody's, you know, giving their uh, little fixes for this and that and, you know, stuff like that. I'm amazed at some of the, the projects that continue to, you know, have, uh, well, if you adjust this uh, capacitor by this, you can now do this. And, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing, the, uh, the whole kit building uh, world. All right. Very good. So anything else, any other topics that we can sort of expound upon or anybody else have any interesting projects they're working on before, before Bill tackles one of those bland, boring topics we've got queued up. <laughs> Come on. N- none I, of you people should I, be mic shy, right? It's all, it's, you're all ham radio operators. Well, not all of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead, Nate. <laughs> I was going to say there, um, if, if you're interested in running it on OpenSUSE, uh, there's late latest packages there. I, I've actually I maintain a uh, wiki page on installing some of the common applications for a ham radio. Oh, that's right, Tumbleweed, right? Wow, OpenSUSE. It's been a while. Last, honestly, I think the last time I ran SUSE, it was SUSE. <laughs> it wasn't wasn't the OpenSUSE version. So, uh, ham radio portal link in the show notes or not show and- notes. And for what it's worth, there is a link to uh, your podcast homepage as well, because uh, I thought that'd be appropriate. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that very much. I'm going to have to check this out. I'm going to go look. Where's my link? (laughs) (laughs) I remember us talking about that before. I I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, you asked us about, like, what what packages should we make sure that are there and stuff like that. And I think I pointed you to the, starting with the Pure Blend list of packages and then adding on some extra stuff that uh, Debian has. You know, the only sad part about the pure blend stuff is it's just woefully, uh, woefully dated on some of the packages. Yeah, that's the case with any kind of Debian variant, though, because they're not they're not rolling releases. So you're going to have some backlog when it comes to package updates and things like that. It's a bit unfortunate, but of course, you always have uh, the, the ability to do other things like, you know, do snaps or build from source or anything like that to get you more current. But. It's, it doesn't give you the advantages that the distros like Arch do, which can can definitely get you on the bleeding edge. Of course, being on the bleeding edge can cause some bleeding, you know. You have, yeah, you have where to that be. blood comes from, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes uh, that update might be a little bit uh, more than you, uh, than you asked for. Uh, definitely, uh, if you're an Arch system, don't run automatic updates. But do check regularly. I know there's been a few times where, uh, especially when Wire Plumber was coming out to address some of the issues that uh, the early PipeWire adopters were running into. Um, yeah, the build for that kind of broke stuff. 
and you had to wait a well in Archland you had to wait a day and they fixed the uh the uh the package repository, the software center, whatever to update nicely when Wire Plumber came out. But when it first came out, it uh it was a little disastrous for some people. <laughs> but that's the nice yeah, part like- about uh, Fedora is that the uh, Fedora has the updated packages, but they do just an extra level of uh curation and, and testing. And uh, you may be waiting a week or two for some packages that are actually maintained uh, well in the system. But uh, in general, Fedora is is pretty current uh, versus uh, Ubuntu, that's for sure. What were you going to say, Nate? I was going to say that there's a, an old statement. Well, I, I don't know how old it is, but uh, if you stay on the cutting edge of technology, you're going to bleed to death. <laughs> yeah, eventually, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep but some people up. like hanging hanging themselves right out there on the on the edge for sure. I, the, I'm and not those that guy. Are valuable. Absolutely. They, they, they test things, they break things, and uh, and they make it so it's uh, a little better for us. That's that's right. They they do the hard work so we don't have to. All right. Anything else we want to cover? This has been really good so far. Something, Scott. Go ahead. Yeah, go for it, Scott. Was I uh, was I live or something? No. Oh, I, oh yeah, yeah. You blinked. <laughs> oh no, sorry, man. I think I just hit hit the wrong button. But uh, you know, you're all hitting on stuff that that I've been working on. Uh, as I've talked about with Russ in the past, and I've, I think even on the show, I live in a, uh, a pretty controlled neighborhood, and so I've been trying to figure out how to get running constantly. And uh, the last year I've actually done quite a bit with just a, uh, a pie and, and the cam four ACK build a pie. I can't speak highly enough of that. It's not exactly a distro. Uh, it's more of a script that you run that, that, uh, downloads and, and configures everything you need to go. But as far as a POTA or, 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 uh, parks on the air or summits on the air portable digital system i'll tell you what that is the best little system i think i've i've had in a long time and it accomplishes the goal that i've been doing for the past what russ eight years trying to get uh, a stable system for digital uh, modes on the air on a pi so i think it does really well and the and the current pi fours are more than enough horsepower to run it uh, although you do have to do a little bit of trickery with uh with jtdx for example to get that uh, running well, um, if the bands get crowded, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that it's amazing what what you can do nowadays with uh, Linux and and a Raspberry Pi computer the size of a credit card, isn't it? Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I know the uh, Pi Four is is really good until yeah you get too many decodes in the same sequence, and then you got to start turning off that decode sensitivity. So don't do the double decode or don't do the deep deep decode. <laughs> Just do a shallow decode. Give me all the the high powered stations, and we'll work with those first. <laughs> that way, well, yeah, exactly. doesn't go. <laughs> well, well been... and one of the things I've been doing is the auto filter on JTDX is very useful when you get into a when you get into an actual QSO to limit it to the uh, uh, hundred or two hundred kilohertz, uh, hundred or two hundred hertz, right around your your immediate uh, receive point, and that really does free up your CPU cycles. Yeah, yep. you don't want about... to start up too late after after decoding to transmit. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, that's pretty smart. I haven't messed with that JTDX uh, um, uh, version of, I guess, WSJTX core. <laughs> I, I assume uh, yeah, w, WSJTX can uh, narrow your receive window as well. It's not something I've ever done, but I'm pretty sure it can. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, like like I say, I've kind of uh, settled on JTDX rather than the rather than the core WSJTX. Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with JTDX. I'm actually using WSJTZ right now um, for no particular reason other than somebody said, "Hey, you should try this," and I did. Oh, <laughs> and, the automagic uh, version, right? <laughs> yeah, the automagic version, which I haven't actually used any of the features of, but it works and looks exactly the same as WSJTX. So. It, it hasn't hindered me in any way from, from doing FT8 or, or any of the other modes. You know what? I need to switch. I'm, my, my grids are actually getting pretty full. I just need to switch over to like FT4 or something, try try something a little different, fill up, fill up some more maps. Getting too many awards on FT8, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't applied for any of those, but, you know, <laughs> such a lazy mode because I sit here at work all day and then I'm just like, you know, click the button over there. It's like, yep, yeah, respond to that, respond to that, respond to that, you know, and... <laughs> Every every hour, I've got like seven QSOs logged, which I haven't actually participated in. But <laughs> you know. well, you uh, know, could be could be worse. Could be you could turn it on auto magic mode, and you'd have like 150 contacts a day that you don't even remember doing. <laughs> well, that's, true. that's why I have that script that does that for me. But <laughs> I haven't run that since I proved that it's possible. So <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, this is not fun. <laughs> My wife yeah. makes fun of me. She calls she calls uh, FT8 the Pokemon of of amateur radio. It's just like a video game. You just got to collect them all. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, that's rather rather apt. <laughs> all right. Anything else? Anything else? This, this is going really good. You guys are coming up with some great stuff to talk about. And and you haven't asked us any personal questions too, which I'm, I'm definitely thumbs up on. So. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite color? <laughs> It's too personal. <laughs> it, it's not it's too bank personal. Password, damn it. I don't actually have an answer. I, I, I think it's changed actually over the years. When I was young, I could definitively say I could cross the bridge and answer the bridge keeper that my favorite color was red. Absolutely. But I think over time it's become blue. So. <laughs> well, most kids do say red. Oh, well, there you go. I, I guess I'm just like most kids or I was. Most Fire trucks. <laughs> see i was raised in michigan and it's never red up there <laughs> well my my uh my room my bedroom was like if you walked into it you would say wow that's a lot of red <laughs> so uh because like the carpet was red the walls were like red white and blue um it was decorated in a lot of red things yeah it was very red but if you came to my house now you would see very little red so it's interesting. I like the color green, like open Susa green. <laughs> it's bleeding. I, green. I like green too, like the color of money green. You know, the, <laughs> <laughs> the color That's of our logo, good. our website. <laughs> yeah, oh, the website is pretty green. Yeah, it, it's it, the only reason the the website tends toward the the sort of green and gold is because when I had when I had the logo commissioned, that's the color it came to me in. I didn't I didn't give color specifications. <laughs> And what I got was green. So, therefore, things became green. <laughs> I like the logo in green and kind of a goldy yellow. Yeah, the, the green and gold is a nice combination. It's a good combination yeah. for anything, actually. But, like I said, I, there were when I, when I talked to Len about it, I gave him no color specifications. I said it needs to have a penguin that has headphones. <laughs> And right. we got what we got. So <laughs> he was the one who created the green. It works. Yeah. So yeah, now mostly our house is in blue. Yep. 
because of the blue cow underground. Yeah, and it would definitely tend toward the blue these days. Even my even my guitar that I bought is blue, and it has blue strings on it. So nothing red. Yeah, I was just saying my uh, my college colors were gold and green. <laughs> yeah, green and gold. Actually, the the colors of the local high school team here is green and white. So I mean, it's. Well, here in Nebraska, it's all go big red. <laughs> go big red. <laughs> yeah, it's like all the all the red states, right? Yeah, Husker red. All right. Any, any other like personal questions? I mean, what's your favorite color? Is not really deeply right, personal. I think I, I think I, I weighed weighed I in I've, more. Than, oh, how, yeah, how much have you spent on antennas? Would you say, or, or rigs? Four dollars. <laughs> <laughs> then don't tell my wife <laughs> i don't even want to say i yeah. see for me i have well here's the thing bill bill will appreciate this when it comes to hf antennas i have spent i i don't remember what i paid for the hf antenna that i bought i i use an alpha delta dxcc which is an 80 through 10 uh trap dipole is the only hf antenna i've ever bought i still use it today um i probably paid something like 200 bucks for it and it's all the money I've ever spent on on HF antennas. For VHF antennas, I have um, one uh, dual band vertical that is a Comet, and I probably spent one hundred and fifty dollars on it. And that that's really all I spent on antennas. Now, mobile antennas. Every time I go to a ham fest, I buy at least two because <laughs> he breaks so, because yeah, <laughs> like it or it breaks or it vanishes or it like something happens to it or something like that so so as far as mobile antennas i've spent a crap ton of money <laughs> uh, but as far as what's on my house i've spent very little yeah i've spent a lot of money on antennas over the years <laughs> now i've gotten a lot of free antennas over the years as well um i probably got more free antennas than ones i bought but like i have ham sticks for every band but 160 and I also have duplicates, so I have like you know two hamsticks for every uh, for every band basically because I have a dipole kit that I bought years ago as well. Uh, I'm staring at uh, a free antenna I got uh, right above my desk here. That's a uh, Gap, uh, uh, the not the Challenger DX, which I have owned one of those at one time. It's the Voyager DX. Voyager, yeah, yeah. I have the Voyager DX sitting right above my. Uh, my recording station <laughs> up on the wall, uh, ready to go out and replace the uh, um, butternut in the backyard that I picked up from a ham here in town for a couple hundred bucks. Um, I have a few commercial dipoles that I've bought. I have a mag loop that I bought. Uh, many VHF antennas over the years. I still have a uh, a Cushcraft uh, boomer in the side yard that has not been hooked up since the 90s but somehow has followed me to all of my houses <laughs> it's currently living in montana inside of, well outside in the snow right now um i have built a lot of antennas so i spent money on components on antennas uh, uh the best investment to the antenna purchasing and building has been the uh the analyzer that i've had the I have the one of the mfj old original ones that go up to two meters i think so it's that version 259b or something like that had that for about 20 years or so now um radios hmm yeah i have a lot of radios 
They're all HF mostly, though. <laughs> yeah. I have two Icom I, IC703s that I bought. Um, one I bought because we used it at uh, uh, at uh, uh, the National no World Scout Jam no the National Scout Jamboree about four years five years ago. Um, we used it to activate Green Mountain uh, there on the uh, camp camp area, whatever you want to call it, at the summit. Uh, so we did a soda soda activation first time that was activated up there. So I, I have the radio that was used, including the backpack and everything else. And then I also have my 703 that I've had for for many years. I, I love the 703, um, and I'd probably buy another one if I saw one for sale, <laughs> just because I, I really like the radio. It has a hot receiver, and the um, the punch that the compressor gives for doing uh, voice contacts on QRP is uh, uh, un uncomparable in the QRP world. Most people think I'm lying when I'm QRP and I'm going into a vertical, so it's not like I'm putting out that big a signal. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I do have a, a, a an HF radio that I got for free. I spent twenty dollars on raffle tickets at the Bozeman Hamfest, and I got a uh, FT four fifty D for free. Well, twenty five bucks, twenty bucks, something like that. <laughs> I have the the, the Kenwood TR eight fifty one seven fifty one twins. Had the eight the seven fifty one since the nineties as well. Made yeah many many contacts. Worked the ninety seven VHF sweepstakes as a rover with that rig. <clears throat> I got bricks for that as well. I got probably I don't know six seven two meter VHF rigs or what, two meter uh, FM rigs <laughs> that are in boxes. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of stuff. I don't get rid of anything. That's that's the unfortunate thing. <clears throat> And I guess, oh, I have that uh, Alinko DX70TH as well. That was uh, actually the first rig, first HF rig I bought brand new. I had a, uh, had a Heath kit, 104, a, a, yeah, SB104A, yeah, SB104A, the one with the red digital readouts as my first HF rig uh, when I started. So, yeah. That's cool. I've, I've gone through quite a bit of equipment, I guess, you know, what, 27 years in the hobby, so... <laughs> I have sort of the opposite experience. I have, I've had a TS 570 D forever that is still like my workhorse radio. And I finally decided I wanted something that had six meters in it. <clears throat> I used Bill's DX 70 TH for a while, <laughs> decided that I kind of wanted something a little more permanent on six meters. So picked up an IC 7100 and those are the only two HF rigs I have. I've got all kinds of handy talkies and stuff like that. Although they tend toward Yezu. Uh, for mobiles and handhelds, but because of uh, <clears throat> system fusion. Uh, but between the IC7100, which I can't recommend enough, and the Kenwood TS570D, which is a which is a total workhorse and will will be around long after the apocalypse. Um, both both great radios. Well, for me, it's where do I begin? Because <laughs> <laughs> I have just a pile of kit radios that I built over the years, uh, lots and lots of QRP kit radios that I've built and written about. But uh, the main rig is a 7610 ICOM, and I also have a 7300 and a 9700. And uh, I have an SB200 that I did a three-part series about in uh, CQ where I did the the Harbach kits on it. So it has all new power supply and inrush protection and changed the relay voltage and replaced the tubes and 
replace the chokes and all that. And uh, so it gets me 600 watts out if I need it. And uh, I have uh, Elecraft KX1, 2, and 3. Now, the 1 was uh, quite a challenge to build because uh, it's very tightly packed in there, especially if you do the internal tuner uh, portion of it. Now, of course, you can't get the KX1 anymore. Um, I have one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they're they're great to hang with the on. tuner. Yeah. Yeah, they're great to yeah. hang on to. It's a wonderful, wonderful radio. Um, I hear they're kind of clicky though, when you get close in. So if you have a bunch of guys that you're doing a soda activation with, if you have a guy with a KX1, you want to kick him off the mountain. That I don't. That I don't know. Uh, I'll have to look into that. Uh, as far as antennas go, if you look at the January 2021 issue of CQ Magazine, uh, my antenna refurbishment project uh, is on the front cover. And I basically stripped the tower clean and started over uh, a year ago. And um, the original TH3 Junior, which was still one that came from the factory here in Lincoln before they sold it to MFJ, uh, now has been replaced with the full TH3. And I have a three-element Cushcraft for six, and then six elements on UHF uh, as far as the beams go. And I have a disc cone that I use for kind of general work on VHF, UHF, and... Uh, uh, I've got wires. <laughs> I'm only on a 55 by 110 foot lot, and I only have the back half of that for wires. But yet I have uh, top fed half wave shortened slopers uh, for 160 and 80, and these are the W8AMZ antennas, which are now sold. Uh, I don't know by who now, since he passed away, but same design is now still being sold. Uh, and then the other wires are all radio waves uh, antennas. I have a 17-meter uh, and 40-meter double bazooka. And then I have uh, a 12-meter uh, dipole as well. And the goal being that uh, somebody asked me, uh, they need Nebraska on this mode or that mode, and I'm the only one they happen to know that lives in Nebraska. And so I get called upon. I, the only band that I really don't have any uh, a dedicated antenna is 30, and uh, I already actually have that. I just haven't hung it yet, uh, and it's a 30-meter uh, double bazooka as well. And uh, I don't have anything for 60, so I just kind of tuned the 80-meter uh, antenna for that. Um, but uh, also a, a plethora of 2-meter 440 HTs and so forth. And, and like you, Russ, I lean towards the Fusion, and I have an FT3 and a FTM400. Yeah, we have. I have a 300 and a 100, and uh, the seven, what's the... There's a two meter ICOM that has a front speaker and just a LCD display on it for mobile. It does fusion as well. Have that in one car, and uh, we have two FT3s. So yeah, I just kind of locked onto the system fusion. I, I've got enough equipment here to do everything, whether it's D Star Fusion, DMR, whatever. But I just kind of been a fan of the way Yezu's gone, and um, <clears throat> even though they're support was kind of lacking during the, the height of the covid period <laughs> um 
uh, still sort of favored them. And I actually have a DR1X here too that I use for Fusion. Uh, it's it's really only for me right now, so I have a repeater all to myself. Um, but it, that's that's going to be part of the AF0SS here before you know I get too old. I hope. Um, basically, when I get enough money to put up to get a, a diplexer and an antenna, then then we'll actually put it on the air. But yeah, I, I I do like the Fusion route. So yeah, I have a lot of kit radios, like I said, that I built over the years, and uh, like the Nouveau 75, which uh, is the four-state QRP group's uh, 75-meter AM transceiver, and uh, let's see, I've got a Weber Tribander, which is a three-band CW transceiver, and um, these are just ones that I'm looking at in front of me. Uh, The Cricket, uh, which is kind of fun. If If you think of a pixie but instead of having a rotten receiver you put a really good receiver in it and instead of having to wind toroids they are spiral wound on the board uh, if you go to 4sqrp.com uh, these things run on a nine volt battery and you get like within plus or minus a couple hundredths of a watt you're right at one watt of output on cw and the straight key is part of the kit and uh uh, it's crystal controlled, but uh, and no volume control or anything. You just turn it on and plug the headset in and plug the antenna in. And uh, what frequency crystal you got in it, that's where you are. And uh, it actually has a really good receiver. Um, uh, the 80-meter version gets real close to where the ARL runs their CW bulletins. And several times I've listened to them on it and the signal was kind of weak uh it was you know so i plugged in my kx2 into there into the same line just to see and i'll be darned if uh it wasn't about an s1 s2 signal so it it does really good with uh qrp type weak signals and uh it's not a bad kit to put together uh it's not a huge parts count thing and like i said you don't wind any toroids but it's called the cricket and there's versions for 40 and 30 and 80, but there's a new version coming out for 20 very shortly. That sounds good. That that would work for me because I think I'm the only Luddite around here that actually uses a straight key. All these other guys are real fancy with their iambic keyers and everything. But <laughs> See, In my head, I'm imagining that you have these giant OE254 style antennas uh, coming off of your house. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, uh, if you go up by Joe's, he probably looks like the Harper Ray, but around here, it's pretty Spartan. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it, it mostly comes yep. off of one tower, and uh, but yeah, if you look at my fences around the backyard, you'll you'll see lots of places where they they there are ropes tied to it, and the remnants of an old swing set that now has a, a rope or two on that as well. Uh, couldn't pull it out of the ground, so it's now a uh, uh, a wire rope anchor. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want awesome. to say thanks to uh, N8VSI Scott and W5AJQ Jonathan, who had to run off, but want to acknowledge their participation in our show, so thanks to them. And go ahead, Nate. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I, so I just have this little Bofang radio. I only listen, uh, although it was broken for a while, and I did... Uh, well, it wasn't that broken. Actually, just the battery just blew up in it. But anyway, it's cleaned up. I got a new new battery in it, and uh, I just listen. That's all I really do at this point. Speaking about, uh, 
I've been again for the uh, for the ham exam. Um, things kind of got screwed up last year. Uh, I think you probably are, are familiar, and uh, so I, I didn't actually get the uh, do the whole testing. Well, well, if you like to listen, you you definitely want to go ahead and invest. What twenty was it? Twenty nine bucks now. Uh, you just bought one, right, Russ? On <laughs> RTLSDR.com. Uh, RTLSDR. Uh, they're amazing and fun and cheap, super cheap, and you can listen to uh, HF all the way through, you know, VHF and UHF and everything else. Yep. If, if you, you like to listen, uh, you can play around with SDR one. Plus. Yeah, you can start yeah. Plus, play around with SDR Plus Plus and all those other applications inside of your SUSE install. Yep. Yes. All right. Very good. Well, this has been uh, it's been quite a good conversation we probably should start winding down now because we have people who are like you know dropping off already so i know we're getting kind of long and and late and we don't want to uh just sort of drag this on into infinity but definitely thank everybody for being here we haven't heard much from hutch or from don so we might have to throw them under the bus here and see if uh they want to say anything about anything so we can start with don um what what do you got going? You got any questions for us before we run on? I know you're you're around a lot and you you sort of interact when you know when you want to. But uh, how's how's it been going for you? And and uh, what what do you want to contribute to our to our wrap up for 2021? Uh, I I don't have a whole lot. Um, I've been uh, pretty much focused on uh, learning the Morse for the last year. So I've been doing that sometimes three or four times a week and. Um, still struggling with it. Uh, Joe would be happy that I'd, literally in the last, uh, four days, I think I've finished, uh, two different kits. Uh, all of them centered around, uh, doing CW and, uh, um, it, uh, yeah, I, I don't have, uh, I don't have too much. And for, for Nate's like edification, I've, I'm, I'm the complete opposite of what everybody else has. I've got one HF wire antenna that half the time when I'm trying to verify that it's still up, I've got to like look around at the trees and like, is it actually still out there? And is it still up? Cause it just blends right in. And then I just have a, a, um, a three band vertical for, uh, six meters, two meters and 70 centimeters. So, um, very, very sparse, uh, set up on the side, but, um, yeah, the, uh, the RTLSDR lets you uh, play around with like decoding FTA and uh, the other digital modes. What so, kits uh, did you build? Well, I finally finished my uh, QCX Mini. Um, word to the wise: don't rush. And when it says to put it on the top of the board, put it on the top of the board because otherwise you will destroy the board, and then you have to order it again or like half the cost of the kit just to get the tiny little control board from Turkey again. Um, I started that one a long time ago and finally got all of the stuff. Um, so I made the, that's a 20 meter QCX mini. And then I put together, uh, finished actually just before I got on, um, a more Morris tutor, uh, kit that, um, some of the guys from, or I think it's just one of the guys on the, um, ham radio workbench, um, had been putting together, but it is a design by another, it's a U.S. ham. I'm going to blank on his call sign. It's like W5 something or other. Well, the QCX mini is wonderful. I recently built the 40 meter version of that and I'm going to do a 20. Yeah. 
I went kind of crazy. I have, uh, so the Morse tutor is actually by W8BH. See, I, I got it all wrong other than the W. Um, the QCX, yeah, it was actually kind of, uh, it was fun. Um, I, like I said, I, I was almost done because the control board is one of the last things that you do. And I just wasn't paying attention and through, it's like a two by three header, um, in a stack of, and another, and I, an extra stack of uh, PCB and I put it on the wrong side and trying to get that to come apart, um, is not, <laughs> it was not very fun. Um, I probably should have just cut the header up and tried pulling it out that way, but I didn't think of it until I ruined the PCB. But, um, yeah, that was like the first, uh, winding those, the tri toroid, um, which sounds scary, but the way that, uh, Hans writes the instructions. I mean, it worked, uh, very well. And he, he gives you, uh, his instructions are amazing. Um, they were, so it went together fine. I actually have the, uh, 50, was it the 50 watt amplifier, uh, kit also. And then I, I actually bought another 20 and a 40 meter one, but, um, I think I'm actually just going to offer those up for sale because I'm not, um, I'm not looking to do another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking to get the 20 meter mini with the case. Well, I have all of that here. Um, if you want, uh, hit me up later and I can, uh, we can talk about it. Sounds good. Um, but yeah, the, the, it's really a high quality receiver. I was amazed at how much of the alignment is all in the firmware. Uh, just amazing. Yeah. Uh, it, and that was one of, and it was one of those things where, I think the last big kit that I put together was um, a Ramsey Electronics um, um, fox hunting uh, radio direction finding uh, kit way back in the 90s um, when I was obviously much younger. Um, so, like, it's amazing as to, like, what you can do now in such a tiny little um, thing. And I, I, I really put it together like the reason why I, I bought it was um one right it's a nice tiny little you know um maybe about the size of a deck and a half of cards um and it's pretty light but the the big draw for me was the um the morse code uh the decoder and the keyer that's in it um since it was much simpler to carry that around than either my um ic7100 or uh, well, that's really the only other, uh, uh, radio that I have that does CW that I can move around. All right. Very cool. So we have, uh, we have one other participant tonight <laughs> who haven't, hasn't said much of anything and I don't want to put you on the spot, Hutch, but is there anything you want to tell us about anything that's going on or you can just say, no, I've been sitting here listening and, uh, and, uh, bringing my dog to downtown Gosport and that's sort of the, the sum total of my life. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm doing that, but uh, also uh, as far as radios go, uh, I've got an IC. Well, I had an IC uh, 760, ICOM 760, and I love that radio, but it's the size of a house. And I've been trying to downsize lately, so I just sold that. And, you know, I'm trying to streamline uh, my ham shack a little bit, and I'm thinking about maybe building the kit, putting something together, something a little bit smaller, something I can carry around with me. Uh, and as far as antennas, I just throw up a dipole. I've got all this wire. 
I've got five acres of land and a bunch of trees. So I usually just throw some, uh, some wire up in the trees and it works great. Uh, as far as other things, I've been brushing up on my Spanish and also brushing up on some uh, computer programming. So that's about all I've been up to. And also just listening to, uh, to your podcast. And that's about it. Well, very good. Thank you for listening to the podcast. So, so you've been on the air lately. I mean, I, I'm pretty much just focusing on FTA because I'm kind of doing that while I'm working, as I've been saying, but, uh, have you, have you been actually on the air doing something and what, like, what are you working these days? Oh, that was for you, Hutch. Did you drop out? Did you lose your Wi-Fi? Oh, am I there now? Oh, yeah. yeah you're here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I, I sold a 760. I've got some Chinese handy talkies and uh, I'm not really doing too much presently. I'm just trying to downsize right now and, and get some things straightened out. And then um, I'm looking at building maybe a kit, something QRP, something small that I can uh, carry around with me. Yeah, very good. Well, hopefully we'll hear from you on the air at some point, whether it's uh, you know digital voice over the Internet or something, or maybe even HF once you get some of that long wire stuff sorted out in your, your backyard trees or whatever. But uh, thanks for being here tonight. It's good to hear from you um really good i see you've, you've been active on facebook and uh tell you what you've, you've got some talent there i've been looking at some of your drawings and stuff and uh pretty impressive well thank you thank you very much uh i have uh my background is in in art liberal arts and also i have my uh a degree in computer science so i'm kind of like all over the place <laughs> well, that's okay i think we all are in some respect so uh, we, we know Ted's only listening, and honestly, I think we've got enough content here to consider this a really good wrap-up of 2021. Uh, we've heard from lots of people and uh, lots of listeners, and we appreciate everybody being here. And thanks thanks to all for uh, participating in the show here and giving us some content as we go into the uh, the winter break, if you want to call it, the holiday break, whatever whatever it is that we do here over the next three weeks before we come back and record again. But uh, before we go, we should uh, I'll just run down the list, see if anybody has anything else to say before we wrap up or just uh, say your goodbyes and uh, fare thee wells or whatever. And uh, then we'll go ahead and let everybody go on and have a great holiday season. So we'll start at the top of the list, which is which is Nate up there, Cubicle Nate, who's uh, I see doing some festive things with his uh, Christmas lights. But uh, we'll let you go ahead and say a final thought if you got one and then we'll uh, we'll move on. Hey, thanks for not kicking me out of your group since I've been pretty quiet uh, last year, maybe two. And uh, I, I do enjoy the show. I, I've been listening, you know, on and off and a lot lately. Uh, so I, I appreciate the show. I enjoy it. I, I learn something all the time. And I'm having a hard time actually uh, keeping that stuff cemented in the head. But I, I'll, I'll be there eventually. Well, fantastic. Thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. Hope you have a great holiday season. And uh, Joe, anything uh, final you want to say to wrap up? Just. Uh, thanks for uh, allowing me in and uh, uh, getting me steered into uh, Linux a little more. And uh, keep up the great podcast. And uh, you can catch me on Ham Nation and also sometimes uh, Amateur Radio Roundtable and several other uh, webcasts and podcasts. All right. Well, fantastic. Thanks for being here. Uh, it's great to have you, and I know we've seen you at uh, various ham fests over the years, but uh, it's always nice to talk to you because we we don't often get the chance necessarily at a ham fest. So thanks for thanks for coming here. Hope you have a great holiday season. And Tony, we're going to make you unmute. <laughs> See if there's anything else you want to say before we wrap up here, or maybe he's not. Maybe he's just going to ignore us and be that way. Maybe. Yeah. He unmuted. He unmuted. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. 
Uh, maybe there. I don't know. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I switched to the phone. A little different. Get any parting thoughts, Tony? Nope. <laughs> Got to hold the button. <laughs> I am holding the button. <clears throat> nope. There you go. He held the button until he disappeared. So. <laughs> All right. We'll we'll come back to Tony if we if we get a second. But uh, uh, we're back down to Hutch actually. So any any final parting thoughts, Hutch? Before we let you go, uh, yeah, thanks for a great podcast, and uh, thanks for inviting me. It's uh, it's always it's always fun, and everyone have a safe and happy holiday season. This is Hutch KJN seventy threes. Oh, thank you very much for being here, and you do the same. Have a safe and happy holiday season, and uh, hopefully, we'll catch you in the new year sometime. Maybe honor about Hamvention. Uh, Steve just showed up. He's probably figuring out how to unmute and uh, work out his ptt <laughs> if, he, if he gets that done but before we get to the top the bottom of the list we'll let him get in here that's k7hvt otherwise we'll just let him be a listener for the show uh don kb2ysi thanks for being here got anything uh, you want to say by way of uh wrapping up and uh saying good night yeah everyone have a great holiday and hope uh you stay safe yet uh Man, just even the weather seems kind of crazy all over the place. So um, everyone stay safe and catch you around. Uh, usually in the chat uh, here on the, in the server during the day. So if uh, you're ever looking for either a good time or a not good time, stop by. We're uh, we're usually here uh, and we'll shoot the shoot the breeze with you. Uh, seven three, everyone. All right, fantastic. And we'll just go ahead and say uh, thanks for Ted coming on to, to listen not be a, a voice on the show but that's all right thanks for being a contributor to the open source community and and providing all those applications that people can use that show up in the linux distros and uh, being a good steward of the open source philosophy we appreciate that and steve k7 hpt just says he's going to be swl tonight so thanks steve for showing up even though you, you sort of got here late i don't know if you're listening to the live stream or not but if you got here just now um we're, we're kind of done but <laughs> uh, but before we go, we should let Cheryl say a few words if she wants to by way of wrapping up, or because she's been she's been really quiet. I don't know, maybe surfing Facebook or something. But anything you want to say by way of closing or or saying no? Goodbye? I just I hope everybody has a happy holiday. Um, and I need to let Rich know since he slept through the podcast um, that his rum recipe will be in the show notes. So. Or his rum cake recipe, so because right. he requ- he requested a rum cake recipe this time, so all right, I didn't know there were going to be show notes, but I guess there are. So. Well, either that or I could run through the rum cake recipe real quick. It's one or the other. Okay, so uh, Rich K zero E B actually said he wanted to see a rum cake. So my rum cake recipe is a box of yellow cake mix. A package of instant vanilla pudding, four eggs, a half cup of water, a half cup of vegetable oil, a half cup of rum, dark or light is good, dark is better though, Uh, a cup of chopped pecans and some brown sugar, and for the glaze, you need one and a half sticks of butter, a quarter cup of water, one and a half cups of granulated sugar, and three quarters of a cup of rum, Uh, preheat your oven to 325. Grease and flour bunt pan. You can choose, or you can cheat and use Baker's Joy pan spray if you like. Sprinkle the nuts over the bottom of the pan. Sprinkle some brown sugar over the top of the nuts. 
kind of caramelizes. Um, mix all your cake ingredients together. Pour that into the pan. Smooth out the top until it's all nice and even. Bake for about an hour or a little less if your pan interior is black. Uh, for the glaze, um, mix together the butter and the water in the saucepan. Bring it to boil. Uh, turn it off, or add your sugar in there too, excuse me. Turn it off, uh, add the rum, start to combine it, reheat for about 30 seconds. Remove the cake from the oven. Drizzle the glaze on the bottom of the cake. Allow it to sit for a few minutes, then take it out of the pan, invert it onto a plate thoroughly and gently. Prick the surface of the cake with a fork. Slowly drizzle the remaining rum glaze all over the top of the cake, allowing it to drip down the sides. And cool that to room temperature before you eat it to make sure everything is soaked in. So, and that's a wonderful rum cake for everybody to have on Christmas. So. That sounds good. Are we having rum cake on Christmas? I guess I can bake one and take it to St. Louis. (laughs) Well, it sounds like a plan. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anything else you want to say before before we get to Bill to wrap up? No, no, I'm done. So. I'll have to Bill now. All right. Bill, we'll let you uh, wrap up before I close the show. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a a fun, another year here at Linux in the ham shack and uh, looking forward to a a nice restful holiday season and uh, getting ready to uh, pack our bags for a few months out of country. So uh, yeah, we'll be doing the podcast remote, (laughs) remote, more remote than normal. A few thousand miles, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 been an interesting year for ham radio and Linux all around, and uh, it just uh, keeps getting better, revision by revision by revision. So, looking forward to uh, to next year and uh, all the new stuff and new kernels and uh, new interesting twists that we see with uh, Fedora, GNOME, and uh, KDE, and everything else with uh, with the way things are are progressing out there. So uh, should be an interesting 2022. All right. Very good. Well, thanks once again to everybody who participated in the show tonight. Uh, Nate, Hutch, Steve, Don, Ted, Scott, Jonathan, and Joe. Uh, we really appreciate you being here and uh, contributing to the program. It's been, it's been a wild and crazy 2021, but the show has been good. We've enjoyed the feedback and all of the things we've heard from our listeners we hope we've uh, been entertaining and at least mildly educational over 2021 we certainly look to do more of that in 2022 uh we're going to take about a three-week break here we'll be back on recording live on the 6th of january and uh, as bill says he's going to be out of country uh, starting at the end of january but we will still be recording the show he'll still be a part of it he just me may be up later than the rest of us for for a while <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, we'll still be doing the thing, uh, hopefully long into the future. We hope everybody has a fantastic holiday season, a great rest of 2021, and we hope that your new year in the beginning of 2022 is as good as it can possibly be. And we hope you stick around and uh, continue to be listeners as we move through the next phase in the next year. And uh, appreciate you once again. Have a great holidays, and we'll talk to you all real, real soon. This has been episode number 445 of Linux in the Hamshack, our 2021 year in review, if you will. And we hope to catch you all soon. I'm Ross, K5TUX. 
I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. <laughs>